Let's open our Bibles, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Last time, a little bit of review, we talked about knowing Him, and the question is, do you know Him? Do you know Him? And that was Paul's heart. He wanted to know Him, and and, uh, some 30 years later, uh, before, since he met Jesus on that road to Damascus, he, he knew that it was all about knowing Jesus and getting to know him more and more and better, to be found in him, to gain Christ. And, and it really is not a religion, it's a relationship. And so that's really what it, what it boils down to. Do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? And that's why he talked about the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It was very personal to him. Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. We talked a little bit about how to, how to get to know somebody, and uh, y'all had some great answers, spending time, uh, communicating back and forth, sharing one's thoughts, sharing one's heart, and it does take time. And uh, Jesus said, this is eternal life, though, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is what eternal life is all about, having a relationship with God. I don't care what any religion tells you. It's not a system of works. It's a relationship that we have with him, that we know him. He went on to say, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death. And it's not just the power. It's the whole package, really. And the power really comes by way of the cross. Without the cross, the cross led to the resurrection. Without the cross, there would be no resurrection. It all goes together. It's the whole package, really. And, and, And we do face sufferings in this life. And we do suffer along with Jesus in some areas, and persecution at different times and that. And we, uh, we become like him in his death in, in, in terms of, of uh, we are with him. We were there with him. We were crucified with Christ, but yet now we live because of his resurrection. So the question is, do you know him? A uh, verse that uh, uh, Barbara pointed out to me, we talked about this, how do you know if you know him in a, a scripture that that uh, is found in Romans 8, 16, says the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So it's God's Spirit within us testifying, and that's what I was speaking about, where you just know that you know Him. And then there are other things, too. It's just the way our lives um, you know, are, are, are obeying Him and following Him. Today, I want to look at verses 12 through 16, and um, this section is, is about pressing on. And I think we all need that from time to time, a little bit of encouragement, maybe, maybe a little um, uh, kick in the rear, perhaps, if you want to use that terminology, to keep going, that we're not there yet. We're not there until we're there. And we, we need to press on. We need to keep pressing on. Look at verse 12. He says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul, the apostle, again, this is some 30 years later after meeting Jesus, he realized, you know what? I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't haven't arrived yet. And for maybe for some of us, that's an encouraging thought. If Paul, the apostle, hadn't got there after 30 years, you know, we're kind of hard on ourselves sometimes. How come I'm not perfect yet? How come? Or maybe we're on the other side there where we think, 
you know? Gosh, it took him 30 years. only took me like, you know, 30 days, and I've already, <laughs> I'm already got, you know, I'm already perfect, you know. Of course, if we think we have already arrived, then we've got some pride issues, and then we know that we haven't, right? But, but um, that's not to discourage us or not to, you know, puff us up or anything, but, but we need to know that it, it, it's, a, it's a journey and that we need to stay on the, on the track. We need to keep pressing forward no matter what this life hands to us. We'll talk a little bit about what, the, what happens in the past. No stopping, though, no resting, no cruising, no you know, resting on our laurels, so to speak. And that's why he said in, in chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So until the day of Christ Jesus, which has not happened yet for, for us, whether he comes to, to take us to himself or, or we go to meet him, until then, we gotta, we got to keep pressing on. we got to keep pressing on. Now, we've been talking about this in, this in chapter 2 as well. Does that mean we're doing that to earn our salvation? That, you know, we, we keep pressing on uh, to, to uh, make sure that we are going to have eternal life? No, no, it's not that way at all. In fact, um, Warren Wiersbe, and, and Paul is talking about here, like, uh, athletic imagery, right? And in that day, uh, Warren Wiersbe points out that in the Greek games that you had to be a citizen to participate, right? You had to be a citizen, and that citizenship wasn't taken away from you if you didn't, you know, perform up to a certain level or whatever. But, but for you and I, it's because we're citizens of heaven, and that's the next section we're going to look at next week, that we're citizens of heaven. That's why we press on, <clears throat> We talked earlier because we want to behave like citizens of heaven. We want people to know that we're citizens of heaven. This word press on, though, uh, I looked it up, and it, it, the, the translation is to pursue. To press on also is translated to pursue, to go after. To press on just doesn't mean press, but you're actually going after, pursuing after. Pursuing after what? Pursuing after the Lord God Himself, ultimately. That's the number one thing. Turn with me to 1 Timothy, though, chapter 6, where this word is used in another place. That's ahead, about four or five books. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11. Now, Paul is speaking to Timothy, and, and Timothy had been, we've, looked, we've talked about Timothy. He was one of his, you know, his... Uh, uh, Comrades, one of his, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Pardon? Disciple that, uh, that would go and serve with him. He was his fellow servant with him. And, and Paul writes to Timothy, and he tells him basically the same thing, that you can't just stop. You need to keep going forward. You need to pursue. You need to press on. You, you know, until you get there, don't stop. And that's what he says here. And, and Timothy, obviously, at this point in time, he's, you know, he's been a believer for some period of time. But he says, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue. There's that word that's translated press on in other places. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. 
Pursue after those things, he says. And then he uses another analogy. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. It's something that just doesn't stop, that we continue to do. We continue to pursue after those things in our lives. You know, in the book of Hebrews, there's a, there's a passage in there that talks about, you know, not drifting. And the, the idea is that when you're, when you're in a boat and you're on the water, if you don't have the engine running or the sail up, and you're actually pursuing in a certain direction, if you turn all that off, guess what happens? What happens? You just drift, and you, you, you drift off course, and you're going to find yourself where you do not want to be. And so, so in the Christian life, it's like that as well. If you, if you, just, you just stop doing the things that, that as believers are a part of the, of the Christian life, Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to the, uh, to the uh, fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. You know, if they, if they had not devoted themselves to those things, that's what would happen. They would just drift. And maybe, maybe in our lives sometimes we just kind of let, I'm just going to take a break for a while. And then what happens? We, we drift and we find ourselves where we don't want to be. And we're, we get battered. But we need to press on. We need to press on and keep pressing on. We need to pursue after God. Another place it's translated, make every effort. Make every effort. You know, that, that speaks about doing everything we can to, to continue on with Jesus. Now again, let's not get confused. It's not because that will save us. And there's a lot of false religions that, you know, you, know, you just got to keep working and working and working and maybe you'll get there. No, it's not that way at all. It's because, because of all he's done for us and because we want to be closer to him, because we want to have a heart like Paul has here in the book of Philippians. I want to know him. I want to follow him. I want to serve him. Let's, let's look back in Philippians, that second half of that verse there, 12, verse chapter 3, verse 12. I find this very interesting. He says, I, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Isn't that interesting? I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Christ Jesus took hold of me with some purpose in mind. Now, I, I kind of see this in, in two, two parts, really. Um, but, but first, I, I, I want to say Paul is saying here that he wants what God wants for his life. I want what God wants for me. Not what I want God to want for me, but what God already wants for me when He put His hand upon my life. Someone said this, Paul's goal is Christ's goal for him. But why did the Lord take hold of him? Why did the Lord take hold of you? It's a question. I see that in two parts. Number one, what we've already talked about is that, that He might have a relationship with us and we might really know Him. And so I press on. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He really wants to have a relationship with me, so I press on in that relationship to, to get to know him better and that, 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 that our relationship, as Paul has been saying in this book and other places, is, is deeper, stronger. But that's not all, is it? 
It's more than that, I think. That's, that's probably the number one thing. That is the most important thing, but it's more than that, I believe, because when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he was told this. He says, you will be told what you must do. And the kinds of things that you'll face in this life, you'll be told what you must do. I think God has a plan and a purpose. The, you know, the, uh, the Campus Crusade you know, tracked the four spiritual laws, you know, that God loves you. And he, and, he, and, he, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. How many of you remember that? You've heard that? He does have a plan for your life and for my life. There's purpose in that. And so to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me, to find what his purpose in my life is, to discover what it is, to find it, and then to fulfill his purpose in my life. That's an important thing. I want you to think about that for a second. Yes, he took hold of you that you might know him, but, but, but also what, what else did he take hold of you for? Think about that. You say, well, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be a preacher. Or I'm not going to be an you know, evangelist or whatever. But that doesn't mean that he didn't grab a hold of your life with some very specific purposes in mind. Like we have on the board, says do something. Well, what is it that you have, what did, what did he get a hold of your life for? I can't tell you what that is. You know, I, I think sometimes people are waiting for, you know, for the, the email um, or the text message. This is what I've grabbed a hold of you to do. Or they're waiting for me to come up and say, you know, I, I, I dreamt about you last night and this is what God told me that you're supposed to do. Well, that scares me, first of all. So if someone tells me that, I'll say, well, listen, okay, I'll, you know, I'll pray about that. But, you know, that gets kind of weird when people come up to other people and say, this is what you are supposed to do. God told me that about you. That gets a little bit strange. It doesn't mean that God doesn't maybe put it on someone's heart to, to tell someone else something. And I might see something in your life and I'll say, you know, you really have a, there's something in your life, a gift in that area. Maybe you should pursue that a little bit and see what it is that, that um, you might be able to do in that area. So we do help each other in that way, but, but again, beware of when it gets kind of weird. But, but the fact of the matter is, each one of us, we need to be asking, God, what, did you, what is it you want me to do? How, how is it that, that I'm called to serve? And, and I think you know, that the, the, the ways are as infinite as our infinite God is. His purpose. He says, I take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. There's nothing more exciting to, than to know what God is, wants to do in and through you and then, and then just grabbing a hold of it. It doesn't mean that it doesn't you know, take work at times and you get tired and, and whatever, but, but to be faithful and you, you say, well, this is what I'm called to do. I'm called to maybe, um, <clears throat> maybe open the door for people when they come to the church. And you know what? I'm going to be the best door opener that I can be. And you know what? There, there's a joy in that. When you're doing, when, you, when you've got something that God's called you to do, or, or to, care, you know, to lift those little babies. When I have extra time before church, I go and look in there and see what those little babies, and, and it's just like, that's a ministry. I, you know, I love little kids. I got like six grandkids and one more on the way. Yes, one more. That makes seven. 
And, uh, I, you know, I love those kids, you know, and, and what a ministry to do, you know. You're not like leading, uh, you know, that little uh, nine-month-old to Christ, perhaps, but you're certainly loving them, right? What a ministry. But not everybody's called to do that. Like, whoa. I tell my, I tell my grandkids, you know, I don't, I don't do the diaper thing anymore. I did enough of that. Mom does that. Grandma does that. I don't do that anymore. Unless, you know, I mean, there's an emergency or something. But. <laughs> you know, there's just stuff in this life, you know. Um, Alex isn't here. He's down in, in North, uh, South Carolina, Tennessee, actually, I think, right now. And, uh, you know, he's, he, he is, you know, seeing the things that maybe God has put in his life. And, and because of his experiences, right, being delivered from drugs and alcohol, God is putting him in a place where he can minister to people who are struggling in those areas, right? So God will use, you know, things in our lives, things that I've been through. God will help me to minister to certain... I can't minister to everybody, but certain people, I, you know, uh, I can minister to personally because of maybe what I've been through and my family history and, and, and all this stuff. What is it for you? Do you want what he wants for you? Yeah, he wants to know you and wants you to know him. But, but what is his purpose in your life? Find it and then fulfill it as best as you can. That's what I say. Each runner on the track would have their own lane, right? You've seen races. Now, there's some races where they start in their own lanes and then they all join in the middle, but a lot of races, you stay in your own lane the whole race, right? And that's kind of what kind of what it is. The problem is we kind of compare ourselves to others sometimes. And, uh, you know, Peter in the last chapter of John, uh, Peter looks back and he, he sees John, the apostle, and he, sa- he says to Jesus, he says, Lord, what about him? You all know this story, right? And what did Jesus tell him? He says, if I want him to remain alive until I, until I return, what is that to you? He said, you must follow me. Don't worry about what I've called him to do. That's not your problem. That's not your worry. You know, I, I can't do what God has called you to do. I can't do what God has called Mike McIntosh to do, who you know, who was here at our dedication. I can't do what other people have... I need to do what God has called me to do. He says, you must follow me. What is that to you? You must follow me. Verse 13, chapter 3. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. That's interesting, isn't it? He's been serving God for like 30 years and he says, you know what, I, I, I haven't quite got it yet. I haven't quite got there yet. But one thing I do, one thing I do, he says, forgetting what's behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. One thing I do, I go forward. 
I go ahead. I go ahead. I look forward. I concentrate on what's ahead. We need to beware of distractions. There's a lot of distractions in our lives. But he says, one thing I do, I haven't got there yet, but one thing I do, I keep going forward. I, I stay in my lane. I stay on the track. I keep going. He says, forgetting what is behind. You know, the past is gone. How many of us dwell on the past? And so we never do anything now because of what happened in the past, you see. And that's not just our failures. When we failed in the past, well, now I can, you know, I just keep, I'm focused on that. Even, even our successes and, and the things that, that go well, our triumphs too, that we focus on those and then we don't do anything. He says, you know what, it's all the past is the past. We need to keep looking forward. We need to keep going ahead. This one thing I do, this one thing I do, I, I'm going ahead. I, I, can't, I don't have time to stop. I don't have time to you know, figure out what happened back there. Now, of course, we learn things from the past. But uh, I read this quote, and I kind of like it, by Will Rogers, who was, who was uh, an American cowboy and humorist and commentator and actor, all kinds of stuff back in the uh, early 1900s. But he says this, don't let yesterday use up too much of today. Don't let yesterday use up too much of today. What do we have today? We're looking back, you know. Um, you know in the book of Genesis about Lot's wife? You all remember Lot's wife? And when they were, you know, taken, Lot and his family were taken out of Sodom and Gomorrah, they said to them, the angels that were leading them out, said, flee for your lives and don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. Don't look back and don't stop. Keep going forward. But later in the chapter, we see it says, but Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. She became useless, basically. She looked back. She looked back to what, what was back there in Sodom and Gomorrah. It was a wicked place, but there was something back there she was still kind of, you know, enamored by. Something grabbed uh, onto her, but, but they said, don't look back. Don't look back. I don't know what, what it is that is in your life that's in the back, but, but don't look back. We can't live life in the rearview mirror. Jesus said it as well. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. We got tomorrow. We got today. We got to look forward. We got to look ahead. Yeah, we've all made mistakes. We've all blown it. We've also all done good things in our lives, but, but you know, it, that's the past. That's done. That's over. We got to go forward. We got to go ahead. Interesting thing, uh, Warren Wiersbe again uh, says in the Bible that to forget does not mean fail to remember, but, <clears throat> excuse me, it means no longer to be influenced by or affected by. In other words, not controlled by the, what's happened in the past. We don't necessarily forget, you know, like we're never going to remember what happened back there. But, but that it doesn't control us, it doesn't stop us, it doesn't keep us. Forget what's behind. Forget about it. I've been waiting to say that. 
You know, um, it says that it says that God, you know, He forgives us and He and He He buries our sins in a sea of forgetfulness. He, he He'll remember our sins no more. And is God able to completely forget? See, God God is you know God is God, but He doesn't hold those things against us ever, ever, ever again. That's what forgiveness is. Straining toward what is ahead. What does God have for us ahead? What are those opportunities? What are those things yet to do? Not what did I already do? What about the growth that He wants in our lives? Straining towards that growth. Things yet to be. Changes in our own lives that are yet to be. We're not there yet. We haven't got there yet. We haven't arrived. We haven't reached perfection yet. He says, I press on. I pursue toward the goal to win the prize. And that obviously has to do with the finish line. He, saw, he kept his eyes on the finish line, that tape, to cross that, that tape in life's race. And, and the ultimate goal, the ultimate prize, of course, again, is God himself and heaven and all that God has for us. So persevere. Press on toward the goal. Don't give up. It's a long-distance race, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't give up. Don't, don't stop. Don't get off the track. Maybe, maybe you're on the track and you need a little bit of help, and that's why we kind of encourage one another. We, we help even sometimes carry one another down that track because we're, we're suffering or we're, we're weak or we're in pain or whatever it might be. You know, that, that, you know I've had people, like, carry me. Maybe not literally, but I've, I know people have prayed for me, and, and it's just as if I was being carried along. But I got to stay on the track. I've seen too many people. They, you know, they they say, "Well, I got to take a break, or I got to get off the track for a while," and and they end up, you know, again drifting into places that that they don't want to be. Verse fifteen. He repeats it again. Look at this. He says, "All of us who are mature." should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. That's what maturity is. That's what maturity teaches us, that we aren't there yet, that we can't stop, that we need to press on and pursue. You know, maturity doesn't mean that we know it all. It's what someone said. It's the mark of the mature mind to recognize there's yet much to learn. Only the fools know it all. so to speak. Just realizing how far we need to go that we're not there yet. I think maturity is almost recognizing, realizing how immature we are. The more I know, the less I know. That's kind of the truth. You know, I've been a believer 35 years, something like that, and I just realize how little it is that that I know. And that you know, I want to keep getting to know Jesus better and better. If I've read the Word, you know, that doesn't mean you read the Bible once and you know it all. That's so ridiculous. You know, I, I'm reading through the Bible, you know, on a regular basis, you know, year after year. I've, I've been 
where I've read, you know, through the whole Bible in a year. I've done, I did that for a number of times, and then I kind of slowed down. I still kind of keep a path. I'm reading in the Old Testament one day and reading in the New Testament the next day, and, and I just keep going and going and going. And then when you get to the end, you start over again. And, and it is amazing how after 35 years, you read things you never saw before, you never knew before, you didn't understand. And how, how, how God can use his word to speak to your hearts in the middle of a crisis, that word ch- kind of just jumps out at you and you go, wow, that, whoa, where'd that come from? Well, if you, if you were just kind of resting on what happened in the past, how, how is that ever going to happen? <clears throat> Finally, verse 16, we're going to have a time of prayer and we're going to have communion as well. It's our communion time today. Verse 16, he says, Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Live what we know. Live what we know now. NIV Study Bible says we are responsible for the truth that we currently possess. You know, what you know now, you are responsible for. I am responsible for. I may not know much, but I'm responsible for what I do know. And let's live up to that. Let's do what God's called us to do, what we know. If you don't know what he's called you to do, you can't be responsible for it. It doesn't mean that you say, well, you know, I'm not going to ask because if I know, then I won't, then I'll have to be responsible for it. No, then you're going to miss out on all the blessings and all the joy of serving him. But but you know, he's not holding you responsible for something that you don't have. You need to walk in the light that we have. And keep pressing on, keep pursuing, not resting. I like this as well from the NIV study Bible. It says, there are heights yet to be scaled. Do not become complacent. There are heights yet to be scaled. There's mountains yet that we can, that we can climb. You know, you've got these people who, that's their whole goal in life, to climb the highest mountains in the world, and they're going to just check them off and, and make it to, you know, get to the next one and go climb that mountain. You know, there's something, you know, in that, in that, the heart of that man or woman that, you know, I got to get to the next one. I got to climb. I got to go. I got to go. And I think for us as believers, there's something about that for us. I got to press on. I got to get to what God's called me for. I need to do. I need to, to take hold of that for what she's called me. Someone else said, anonymous uh, quotation here, the satisfaction is the grave of progress. Satisfaction is the grave of progress. If you're just satisfied, you know, you're, you're going nowhere. One um, American preacher from the 1800s, an author, Phillips Brooks, he said this, bad will be the day for every man when he becomes absolutely content with the life he is living with the thoughts he is thinking, with the deeds he is doing, when there is not forever meeting at the doors of his soul some great desire to do something larger, which he knows that he was meant and made to do because he is still the child of God. There's something about a holy discontent, a holy discontent within us. And one final quote from a gal who uh, had a swimming accident 
was paralyzed from the neck down, not able to use any, to, to use her body. But she says this, her name is Johnny Erickson Tata. She says, there's simply no room for passivity in the Christian faith. This is a girl that's paralyzed now. Keep this in mind. She says, life in Christ is one long string of action verbs. Grow, praise, love, learn, stretch, reach, put on, put off, press on, follow, hold, cleave, run, weep, produce, stand, fight. You know, that's, again, that's a gal that's faced a lot more than you and I have ever faced in this room, I think. One long string of action verbs. Press on. Pursue. Don't stop. That's, that's for each one of us. It's each one of our lives. 